and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bibles with us to the Old Testament book of Jonah. This morning, Pastor Elliot preaches from Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We will see that while we may put God out of our sight, God never puts any of us out of His sight. And now, Pastor Robert Elliot. Chapter 2. Then, remember then is when he's in the belly of the fish. wonder what that was like. Gastric juices, skin, stink. Got to be stink. Dark. The, the fish is swimming in the surf. Talk about a bad ride at Six Flags over Texas. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Somebody said, you know, where do you do your best praying? <laughs> Wherever I feel the most desperate. <laughs> That's where I do my best praying. Might be here in the building, might not be anywhere near this building. Wherever I feel the most desperate in my need for God, that's where I do my best praying. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I think as they were coming to the conclusion that he was the guy to blame for the storm by casting the lots, and he admitted the truth that you have to throw me overboard for the sea to stop, he's praying, oh God. Please help me. And they pitch him over and he's in the surf. And I can just imagine he's going down for the last count and he's praying, Lord, please help me. And boom, he swallowed. I called out of my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. Sheol is the Hebrew concept of the grave. It's a, it's a sort of a catch-all word for death. And he's saying basically, I was on the lip of my own grave. I cried out to God from Sheol. I cried out to God. We say sometimes a person is walking on the lip of their own grave and slips on a banana peel. He's just so close to dying. He knows it. He's in the surf. He can't swim against it. It's too strong. And he cries out to God from Sheol, from the edge of his physical death. And God heard him. Verse 2, the end. Thou didst hear my voice, for thou hadst cast me into the deep. No, wait a minute. It was the sailors, Jonah. No, Jonah knew what we needed to know, that everything that happens in his life is because of the rulership of God. And he says properly, God, you threw me into the sea. You used some sailors to do it, but you threw me into the sea. Three, thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. He couldn't swim against it. He, it was too strong. This is a storm that scared seasoned sailors so much that they threw their cargo overboard to do away with all their material profits of business. They were willing to do away with no profits on that run to Tarshish if they could just live. They were terrified. Verse three, thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the current engulfed me. All thy breakers. Yeah, he understood that the breakers of the sea were God's breakers. They were appointed by God as much as the fish was. Every breaker he was trying to keep his head above water in was from God. Everything you will face this week is from God. Designed to chip off of you everything that doesn't look like Jesus. 
Verse 3, for thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All thy breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Wait a minute, Jonah. You weren't expelled from God's sight. God sees all of us all of the time. It just felt like he was expelled from God's sight. Ever been there? Has God forgotten me? The heavens seem closed when I pray. Friends that used to love and care for me have turned their back on me. We are never expelled from God's sight. God is everywhere, all-knowing. Sometimes Jonah may have said, I'm expelled from God's sight because I tried to expel God from my sight, right? You want me to go to, to Nineveh, Lord? Do you know what those people are like? They're brutal. They're enemies of my people. They are vicious, godless. You want me to go 500 miles northeast from where I am, I'm going to go 2,000 miles northwest from where I am. I'm going to take off. I'm going to expel you and your will from my sight, Lord. Ever done that? I spent several years doing that as a Christian. Hard time falling asleep at night those years for guilt Wish I could say I repented after the first day I was doing that, but I didn't. Took years. Took the drowning of my best friend who was body surfing in Hawaii. Didn't know the riptide was there that season of the year because he was camping on the beach and there were no signs posted on the beach in Maui just in the hotels to tell you don't go swimming because of the riptides. And so he was body surfing and David drowned. I had shared Christ with David in grade eight. He said, I'll think about it. And then from grade eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, my life looked more like David's life than David's life was looking like my life because I wasn't influencing David for Christ. David was influencing me for the world. Those are the years I'm talking about that I expelled God from my sight, but I was never expelled from God's sight. If you're here tonight and you're struggling with the will of God and you wonder if it's going to be fun or if it's going to be really the best for you, I can tell you it will be the best for you. Do it. Don't waste any time. Do it. Don't have sleepless nights of guilt as a Christian. Do it. All of it. Immediately. You'll never regret it. Verse four. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy temple. He's saying, I looked away from your localized presence because remember, at that time in Jewish history, God presenced himself in a temple, not inside Jews. God the Holy Spirit only came to live inside Jews for a task that they were to do and temporarily he visited Jews. So David was visited by the Holy Spirit when he killed Goliath. Gideon was visited by the Holy Spirit when he led his army against the Midianites. 
Joshua was visited by the Holy Spirit when he was used as the general to take them through the conquest of Canaan, etc. Esther was visited by the Holy Spirit when she stood up against the Persian king and risked her life to spare the Jewish people. You get the picture. The Holy Spirit only visited believers that were Jewish in the Old Testament, and then he withdrew. It's only after Pentecost that the Spirit of God lives in us permanently. He doesn't visit for the weekend. He lives in us permanently. But back then, Jonah knew that God lived in a temple. And Jonah felt that he had been expelled from God who was living in the temple's view. But really the problem was Jonah had tried to um, exclude his view of God in the temple. But then after he gets in the torrential currents and breakers and billows of the sea, fearing for his life, he looks back to the temple. He looks back to where he knows God's presence is a place of worship, a place of sacrifice. And he considers God and where God is. Come here and see the fabulous performance of world-renowned pianist Sam Rotman for free on Saturday, September 10th and Sunday, September 11th. He has given over 2,700 performances in 60 countries and is described as a pianist of no small talent. He possesses a thoroughly prepared technique, and his playing is convincing and alive. Come and experience Sam Rotman's profound, expressive, dynamic, and exciting concert performances for the first time in the Bahamas on either Saturday, September 10th at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Kirk on Princess Street at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday, September 11th at Calvary Bible Church on Collins Avenue at 6 p.m. Bring your family for a night to remember. For more information, call us at 326-0800. That is 326-0800. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning. We're in the radio studio this morning with our wonderful youth pastor, Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, pastor. Good morning, Pastor Ali, and good morning, listeners. We are going to have a ministry spotlight this morning, and the youth ministries here at Calvary Bible Church come under the banner or the name of Ignition. Where did you get that name, Ignition, for youth ministry? Um, Ignition um, came about, and that was actually before I came on staff, but Ignition came about because we wanted to ignite the world for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's exciting. So tell us about the age span for the, our Ignition Youth Ministry. Our age span is grades 7 to 12, um, but we also have some student leaders in our youth group at this present time that are trained to be leaders as well. Wonderful. So they've been trained to, to do some leadership of their peers. Yes. Wonderful. So when in the week do the students or uh, the youth of our church congregate? What, what uh, days of the week? Friday at 7 o'clock, 7 to 9.30 here at Calvary Bible Church. And we just have a great time of fun fellowship and uh, also food, which is, you know, any, everybody wants to eat. Oh, boy, those uh, young people have hollow legs. Some of them, they can really eat a lot of food. I know my son can. Um, so that's on Friday nights. And then what's another time that youth get together in our ministry? Um, well, we have, like I said earlier, we have an Awana program where um, people can come in. Um, that goes from actually the ages of 
um, five to straight up to eighteen. So that's on Tuesday nights. That's on Tuesday nights. And then going back to the junior and senior highs, youth. We have uh, Sunday school as well, on Sundays at nine thirty, where they can come and um, we teach them on a Sunday mornings at nine thirty to ten thirty. Great, and we have an 8 a.m. worship service of a contemporary style, 8 to 9. And then uh, we have Sunday school for all ages, including youth, 9.30 to 10.30. And then we have at 11 a.m. till about 12.30 noon, we have a traditional styled uh, worship service. So there's a lot of different choices. Um, if we were trying to say what is the same between Friday nights and Sunday mornings versus what is different between Friday nights and Sunday mornings, what would you say? Um, the Friday nights are different in the way that we have more worship um, and, and music on a, on a Friday night um, than a Sunday morning because it's not as many times. But also on a Friday night, we have what we call small groups, which can be like discipleship groups where teens can come in their different age groups and just discuss different issues um, that go along with the messages on, on Friday nights. And um, this past year, we've been looking at Jesus and just... Um, just different um, things with Jesus and loving others, Jesus and relationships. Um, and just these are things that teens are struggling with that sometimes they don't see where the Bible relates to the day. But we must remember that the Bible, um, no matter how old it gets, it's still the number one bestseller because it relates to any time and any walk of life. Yes, it does. The Bible's amazing. And Sunday school is more of just a, a teaching time. Um, and But like I said, on Friday nights, we also have games and different things. We have basketball rim set up, um, volleyball, we have ping pong. To, you know, we have all these different things that they can come out to enjoy. Right. And you don't do these Friday night or Sunday morning ministries all by yourself? No. Um, we have a great team of, of youth leaders, and a uh, majority of them are under the age of 30. Uh, we do have some older ones, but it's great to have these guys and girls who have been through our youth ministry and now are leading. And that's what we like to see here at Carabao Bible Church, discipleship in action. Right, to put into practice what yeah. they've learned as, at a younger age. Um, do we have different local churches represented on a Friday night? Do youth come from differing churches? Yes, we have um, kids that come from all churches, all schools. Uh, we don't just say, well, we want Calvary kids. No, it's all different schools and churches that, are, are, that come together. Um, I would say the majority, um, probably about 60% come from Calvary Bible Church, and about 40% don't come from Calvary Bible Church on a normal basis. Very good. I know there are a lot of interesting and exciting things that God is doing in Ignition Youth Ministry, but if I were to ask you to put you on the spot this morning, what is the most exciting thing you think of right now that God is doing in Ignition with young people? What would you say? Um, one of the most exciting things I would say is that we are seeing some growth in some of our teens. Um, we have a lot of negativity about youth today, but we have seen some growth. Um, some teens are stepping up, and um, you know a lot of, and especially some of our young men are stepping up because, again, the negativity that we hear around our island is the youth are doing nothing. The youth are the problem. But I think that we need to recognize that we can learn a lot from our youth because our youth can teach us a lot on what things are about. Because I think as we get older. We already have preconceived um, notions about different things, but youth, you know, their minds are open to different things, and they want to teach others the truth about God's Word. Yes. What would you help us to know about the summer? Does youth ministry carry on here at our church in the summer months? Yes, we don't close during the summer. There may be one or two um, 
different Friday nights that we are closed just because we are doing other ministry. We have taken our teens to different camps and other things that are, are going on. Um, but for the most part, we don't close during the summer because we feel like we want to give our youth somewhere to hang out. Um, our summers aren't as structured as our normal Friday nights, but it's still a time of fun and, and just to come together and just to fellowship together with other young people. I think that's great. Anything else you'd like to share with the listeners this morning about our youth ministry, grades 7 through 12? Um, like I said earlier, um, we're, we're a church that basically uh, we will, you know, it doesn't matter what school you go to. Um, we would like to have our youth group as a, a, a group that anyone can feel welcome. You know, we don't want someone to come in and don't feel the love of Christ. And it is something that we teach our youth from day one, that we want them to, this to be a place of love. And they feel accepted. Right. And of course, align, in alignment with all of the ministry of Calvary Bible Churches, we want to introduce people to Jesus Christ, to, that they would know him by faith as Lord and Savior, and then to grow up into the full stature of Christ once they have been saved. Well, thank you so much for being in the studio with me this morning. Uh, no problem, and it's been my pleasure. Well, I can assure you that it is my pleasure as the senior pastor teacher of the church to see you and your wife, Tamson, and all of your uh, partners in youth ministry doing such an excellent job. Uh, we thank God for all of you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have in the Bahamas to present the wonders and the, the beauties of Jesus Christ to young people people that have so much potential to do uh, good and to bring glory to your name, Father. We pray that our youth ministries would continue to flourish as we do them in the power of the Spirit and for the glory of yourself, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, today's personal God story. Well, I'm very pleased this morning to have in our recording studio my dear brother Vasco Marshall. Good morning, Vasco. Good morning, sir. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, together about your God story, and uh, I know it will be an encouragement to those that are listening this morning. Um, so, Jesus Christ became your Lord and your Savior, and He's seen you through some times of doubt. Yes, sir. Um, there is an event uh, in my life mm -hmm. that um, I like to share every once in a while. Please. And it has to do with um, the birth of my my yes. daughter. Yeah. <clears throat> we were meaning me and my wife. Yes. We were trying to have a child, mm -hmm. and she had an issue. Mm -hmm. The doctor um, figured it out what, what exactly was wrong. Yes. Because she had um, a number of miscarriages. I see. And. The procedure mm -hmm. was a costly one, mm -hmm. and the insurance was not going to cover that. Yes. Now, um, for me personally, I felt, again, I have a wife, and I felt complete. I, I didn't need the child. I wanted a child, yes. but not to the point where it was consuming me, yeah. but it was different for my wife. Mm -hmm. She felt like she was maybe letting me down, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. complete woman mm -hmm. if she can't, mm -hmm. you know, 
give us a child. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was dealing with that part of it, you know, trying to be supportive of her. Yes. Not really paying much attention to myself. Yes. But um, a long story short, um, the insurance wasn't going to um, cover the cost of the procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin, um, Jennifer, she um, intervened for us and she worked things out. And, and, and the thing about it, Pastor Rob, is um, on the day, I think the day before the um, procedure was scheduled mm-hmm. was when we got the call from her to say that, yes, the insurance will cover Praise the, the procedure. So, uh, and, and the thing is, we had to um, call ahead mm-hmm. to like schedule the, um, the room, the operating theater, and the anesthetist, and all that kind of stuff. And so again, the day before, we were supposed to, what would have been the deadline for scheduling, uh-huh. is when we got the call Beautiful. that we would be covered. And so, again, um, just want to say, God showed up and solidify once again, because this isn't the only time, but once again, solidify my belief that yes, he is an on-time God, and yes, he sees and knows everything and does everything well. Praise the Lord. So beautifully put. Uh, He's an on-time God. And so the listeners that may be out there this morning that are are trusting God for something very specific, like Vasco and his wife were trusting the Lord for uh, a procedure, a medical procedure. Uh, Whoever you are listening this morning, um, if you're in relationship with the Father through saving faith in the Son, and you're trusting the Lord for something, remember, He's always on time. God is never late. Tell us about your daughter now. How old is she? She is nine. Um... Nine going on, maybe 29. <laughs> but I um, love her daily, and she is, um, she's everything to me. Oh, that's so sweet. She's everything to me. Loves coming to church. She's uh, um, anxious to um, learn all the memory voices. And in fact, at times when um, I may have to leave her at home because she doesn't get up on time, <laughs> She feels let down. I learned my memory voice, but I wasn't able to sing uh-huh, that church. Uh-huh. And, and but like she passed her up. She is she is everything to me. That's such a beautiful story. Yes. And one 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 other thing, we we be discussing baby names and if it's a boy, what would the name? And I was always leaning towards girl's name. I see. And so when my wife finally did get pregnant, we found out that it would be a girl. Uh huh. Started looking at names and stuff came across a whole lot of names and of course I didn't want to just pick any name I wanted names that meant something mm-hmm. I wanted Christian names mm-hmm. to be more specific yep and so I started looking at Hebrew names nice and um, came across a couple but then as I was looking I searching I came across the name Eliana mm. and Eliana means God has answered. Beautiful. And so I said, does it? I'm going with that. That's beautiful. Beautiful Mm. name for a beautiful gift. Mm. Vasco, thank you for being uh, on the air with me today. I know that how God has worked in your life is going to be very encouraging Mm. to others that are listening. And I would just love to pray for you and your family. I I will most appreciate that. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the marshals. 
We thank you for the lovely Christian family that they have been made to be. We thank you for this lovely recounting of how you have worked in Vasco's life to become a, a husband and then a father. And we thank you, Lord, that he has looked over his life and seen that you are the God who is on time. We pray that you would deepen our faith in your punctuality and goodness as our Heavenly Father. And Lord, that we would trust you and see you do marvelous things in answer to prayer. Lord, um, show us what you would have us to be as we walk with you. And may our episodes of maybe doubt drive us to the Bible and not from it. Because when we go to your word, we go to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. I have a question that comes to us from Mark, chapter 16 and verse 16 reads, Jesus' words, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And so the question is, do you have to be water baptized in order to be saved? A fancier way of asking the same question is this. Is baptismal regeneration taught in Mark 16, verse 16? Here's the answer. The words of Jesus, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, may lead someone to think that baptism is necessary for salvation. However, the very next phrase reveals clearly that this is not the case. Jesus goes on to say in the same sentence virtually, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. The only basis for condemnation is a refusal to believe. There is no condemnation for failure to be baptized. It may be concluded then that the only basis for salvation is belief in Christ not belief and baptism. While baptism does not save, that is not to say that baptism is unimportant. The New Testament knows of no true believer that was not baptized in water. Those who believed were identified with Christ and his local body of believers by water baptism. See Acts 2, verse 41, Acts 8, verses 36 to 38, Acts 16, 31 through 33. So whereas water baptism does not save, 
We could say that water baptism publicly announces that a person has already been saved. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.